the beautiful thing is that I have definitely healed my relationship with food despite it all, despite all the restrictions, all the health issues, not being able to exercise, being bloated. I mean, I truly feel like if I can do it, anyone can do it because of the you know, extent as to the other things that I've had to, to work through. Living a healthy, balanced life as a mom can sometimes feel impossible. With tiny mouths to feed, butts to wipe, and so many things vying for our attention, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe every mom is a super mom, and you deserve to feel like one too, and you don't have to go on another diet to do it. Join me, Kristen Dovniak, holistic nutritionist and certified intuitive eating counselor for conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life. I want to help you uncomplicate eating, improve your relationship with food, and live like the supermama I know you are. Hey friends, welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. Kristen here, and something that I have been wanting to share with all of you, something that I haven't yet touched about on the podcast, and I think is so important to talk and to share about because I know it affects so many women, is the struggle with trying to find find food freedom and body image when you're struggling with chronic health conditions, whether that be a chronic illness or even something that you're struggling through for a short-term period of time. It can feel really impossible to have this intuitive, free um, journey and mindset around food when we're struggling so hard in our lives. So because this isn't something that I have personally struggled with, to a great extent, I wanted to bring on someone who I knew had an absolutely fabulous story, and I was just blown away. She shared parts of her story even after following her for some time now, listening to her podcast and reading her incredible Instagram post. She shared some things that I didn't know about her story or I hadn't heard yet about her story, and she was so transparent about every part of her journey from food freedom to chronic pain to chronic illness, and she really gave a lot of hope and practical, tangible tools to help you move into a space of food freedom and body positivity, even in the midst of chronic illness. So I'm so excited for you to hear from Chelsea Gross. Chelsea Gross is a certified nutrition and mindset coach who helps women break the diet binge cycle for good so they can feel free around food and confident in their bodies. Her passion for a healthy mind and body comes from her own struggle with multiple health issues and a disordered relationship with food and her body for nearly a decade. Debilitating chronic pain in 2014 was a rock-bottom moment and a catalyst for her to finally address her health issues, unhappiness, and heal her relationship with food. She learned early on in her training that things don't happen to us, they happen for us. So Chelsea took her mess and made it her message. Today, Chelsea empowers and guides women through releasing obsession around food and weight so they can finally enjoy the beautiful life they have, free from the rules and restrictions that keep them stuck. Friends, I cannot wait for you to hear Chelsea's story and the wisdom that she has to share with us in this interview. So let's jump into my interview with Chelsea Gross. Hey, Chelsea, welcome to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk to you today. So I was just sharing before we officially started recording um, that I wasn't quite sure where I found you first, either on your podcast. You have an awesome podcast, the Nutritionish podcast, um, and with Allie. And 
then you also have this really incredible Instagram account with these like the most beautiful captions and they're they're so so inspirational and you can tell like how much how much time you spend on them and I couldn't actually remember where I started following you first because I love both of the areas <laughs> but I think <laughs> I think it was your podcast and your story that you have shared so openly both about your struggles with with food and with chronic health conditions um and so I'm really I'm really excited to to hear from you today oh thanks so much for saying all that it means a lot so I want to start with an icebreaker, just really quick, if that's okay with you, um, just, to, sure. just to break the ice and start out. So my question today is, what do you like to drink first thing in the morning? Ooh, well, water. <laughs> Room temperature water, and I have a routine where I pour it before I go to bed. I leave it on my nightstand, and I take it into the bathroom with me after I brush my teeth. I drink a bunch of water. And then I usually go for a walk. I walk outside almost every single morning and listen to a podcast and I just have water. And then when I get back, I usually have my breakfast and then I make a matcha. So that's my other go-to drink, but I don't have it first thing in the morning. I love that. I love, see, I love asking this question because I got to hear a little bit about your morning routine. And I love that you like set it up <laughs> yeah. the night before and everything. And that's something mm -hmm. I'm so big on, you know, when I, when I talk to women and they're trying to, you know, create these like little habits to improve their life, like drinking more water. It's, that's an awesome tactic to just have it by your bed and to, to drink it first thing. I love that. And I love yeah, matcha too. little things. Do you have yes, a favorite okay. like brand of matcha or are you just a matcha lover in general? Yes. I like any type of ceremonial grade matcha, which is kind of what, you know, we should all be aiming towards having like the real deal anyways. Mm -hmm. um, so I like Aya Matcha, A-I-Y-A. And I also like Matchaful. And then lately I've been doing Vital Proteins. They actually make a matcha latte blend that's matcha uh collagen coconut milk powder and i think like akasha fiber or something and it's just all in one so i just now have been doing that and blending that with water and super simple and really good Oh, that's cool. I love that. I love their collagen. And I put collagen in my coffee often. Usually I start the day with a coffee and I've been trying to switch out of having another cup and having a tea instead um, just to kind of reduce that caffeine a little bit because I notice it triggers my anxiety. Um, so I love that. Yeah. I'm going to have to try out that that Vital Proteins one. And I'll try and link to those too for anyone who's looking to up their matcha game. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's so easy. And I feel like for people who are new to matcha, because it is such a bitter taste, if you're just blending it with water or even just regular like almond milk or something like that, I feel like it's going to be too aggressive of a taste for people when they're sort of easing their way into trying something new. So I think that blend, that Vital Proteins blend is a really good place to start for beginners. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And then they get the little hit of collagen too, which is, which is great. Yeah. Yes. So thank you for sharing all that. And I already shared your bio. I always share the bio right at the beginning, the professional bio. But I would love if you could just share a little bit more about who you are and what you're passionate about bringing to the world. Yes, I'm passionate for sure. That's my, my main thing is letting other people know they're not alone. And I like to use what I call my mess and make it my message. So I'll sort of, sort of share with you guys a little bit about who I am now and kind of how I got to this place. So 
I am a certified transformational nutrition coach. I sort of coin myself as a nutrition and mindset coach now because that's more specifically what I do. I help women who struggle with chronic dieting, disordered eating, binge eating, self-love, body image. And the reason that I'm so passionate about helping people with that is because it's something that I struggled with for almost a decade um, back when social media didn't exist and no one was really vulnerable or sharing their story. I just suffered in silence and I felt really, really alone in what I was going through. So right now, my biggest passion is letting others know they're not alone because I so desperately needed someone to look up to when I was really in the thick of it. So, you know, from where I am now and being able to be more introspective and reflective about how I got to the place that I am today and sort of how a lot of my problems originated and my issues originated, um, I can kind of connect it back to growing up and being really young, fifth grade, sixth grade, when my parents got divorced. I grew up outside of Philadelphia in a really, um, I went to a really small school. Um, and I was the first one in my class who had separated or divorced parents. So I know that it's something that's really common now. Just because it's common, it doesn't mean it's not as difficult. But growing up, I was the first one, and it was really difficult for me. My dad was actually struggling with a lot of his own mental health issues and substance abuse issues at the time. And it was just all a very confusing, overwhelming situation for, you know, a 10, 11-year-old. And my... Um, Obviously, I started going back and forth from my mom's house to my dad's house. And again, that was very confusing. And I started developing a lot of really bad anxiety over it. And the reason was I was scared that something was going to happen to my mom and I was going to be left with my dad, who was, in my eyes, kind of unstable, sort of, um, I felt kind of unsafe, you know, being with him. And I was really worried that, um, you know, something would happen to my safe space, who was my mom. I have one older sister who's very much like my mom. So I am very different from my mom and my sister. They are much more, um, I guess, uh, unemotional. I'm a very emotional person. I'm a very sensitive person. Um, I wear my heart on my sleeve. And from a young age when I was dealing with this anxiety, I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't really know exactly what I was experiencing at the time. And I would go to my mom or I'd go to my sister and I would sort of explain what I was feeling. And they would just sort of say, oh, don't be like that. You shouldn't be like that. Like, that's wrong. That's bad. You know, just get over it. Go play in your room by yourself, that kind of thing. And so from a very early age, I sort of developed this belief that there was something fundamentally wrong with me, that who I was at my core was not okay. It was not accepted. It was not loved. It was not appreciated. I felt very unseen and unheard. And it was, it was just very confusing. So, you know, I sort of struggled with that kind of stuff up and down all through middle school, all through high school. And in high school, I started sort of attracting a lot of health issues. So the first thing that I started dealing with was chronic headaches. So all of a sudden, I literally just like woke up one day and started dealing with chronic headaches. The next thing I started dealing with was like chronic chest pains and chronic heartburn. Then I started dealing with a lot of like viral infections, getting sick with a flu or really bad virus or cold once a month. And that was all sort of weird. <laughs> Again, like I kind of think now the perspective that I have looking back, I think I attracted it because I didn't feel 
Like, I felt like there was something wrong with me. And I also, I think because I felt like there was something wrong with me, I wanted, you know, I wanted sympathy from my loved ones. I wanted attention. I wanted someone to take care of me. I wanted someone to notice me and again, to see me and hear me. And so I think I sort of started manifesting some of these deeper health issues to sort of just get that deeper affection and love that I was so desperately looking for. So that's kind of um, sort of how things went up until I graduated high school. And then I actually decided to go across the country to college. I went to Arizona State University all the way from Pennsylvania. I didn't know anyone. Kind of a rash decision, but um, I was actually hoping to pursue dance as my major. Um, And they had a really great program that I was interested in getting into. I actually ended up not getting into it. Um, but I still went anyway. I Because I went to such a small school, I really wanted a big school with a lot of school spirit. I wanted a football team. My high school didn't have a football team. I just wanted a really new experience. And my college experience was awesome, but it was also really hard, of course, because I went to this like huge university with uh, you know, gorgeous, fit people. It was just like a total court- culture shock. I also joined a sorority. And that's the first time that I really started being hyper aware of my body and my weight and, you know, rushing a sorority and being around a lot of guys for the first time. I never had a boyfriend up until college. Like it just was this this whole new experience for me. And I started wanting to, you know, be able to fit in. And I had a friend at the time who I started sort of noticing her eating habits and how little she ate. I remember she would eat just half a sandwich or half a sushi roll. And um, I was like, okay, maybe I need to start eating less. Normally, like I would need to eat like a whole sandwich or a couple rolls of sushi. Like, am I eating too much? Do I weigh too much? And I was actually entered into college pretty underdeveloped. I was definitely like a late bloomer. I was definitely the last girl in my high school class to get her period, like did not have any boobs. Um, and so I really, you know, didn't have much weight to lose, but I still decided that I needed to lose weight. So I went home the summer after my freshman year of college and I just sort of decided that I was going to diet and I was going to work out and I was going to lose weight and just see how it went. And so that was sort of my first experience with restricting and counting calories, under eating, over exercising. I had a summer job that I worked sort of across dinner hour time. So it was sort of an excuse for me not to eat dinner. So I was skipping meals and just becoming really, really mindful and obsessed with how little could I eat to get by. And then I started exercising for the first time, like doing more cardio um, and basically like lost a bunch of weight. And I came back to college my sophomore year and all of a sudden all these people noticed all the weight I lost and how quote unquote good I looked. And I met my first love. I started dating a a serious boyfriend. I had all these friends. I lived in my sorority house. So in my mind, I kind of thought I had cracked the code. I basically thought, well, I'm in this thinner body. I'm getting all this attention. I have the friends. I have the boyfriend. I'm going to this big university. I figured it out. I just needed to lose weight to feel attention and love and worth and happy and all this stuff. So it really ingrained in my brain um, this, this concept, this idea, this belief about myself, I kind of thought like it was the answer to all my problems. And so I was able to sort of maintain this thinner body for a long time. And 
then I broke up with this boyfriend and I also went abroad to London the summer before my senior year of college. And I was drinking a lot. You know, we were going out, we were eating all different types of foods. I stopped being, you know, overly obsessive and restrictive and I gained a bunch of weight. So I came back my senior year of college and all of a sudden I was in this bigger body. And all of a sudden I was hyper aware I was in this bigger body and that I needed to lose weight. But all the things that I had done before no longer worked. So, you know, I just kept trying to eat less and restrict more and work out more and became more and more and more and more obsessed and basically just like crazy. (laughs) Um, So basically that then perpetuated into several years of severe restriction binge eating and purging was sort of the cycle that I had gotten myself into. And, you know, again, there was no information out there about this disordered eating cycle. I was in a bigger body, so I didn't think that I had an eating disorder. I definitely didn't think that I deserved to have any help. If anything, I was just like mortified to be in a bigger body and embarrassed. So I certainly wasn't going to explain to anyone the extent as to what, as to which I was suffering And I graduated college. I also um, very uh, like a few months before I graduated from college, I went through like the whole other long story, but I went through a really, really bad experience that was very traumatic. And I definitely believe it gave me PTSD. And that definitely contributed into me soothing um, with food, which just perpetuated this disordered eating cycle that I had gotten myself into. And then I had the bright idea to move out to Los Angeles (laughs) to pursue acting, which makes total sense for someone who's struggling wildly with body image and disordered eating, because it, of course, is just going to put all that under a microscope. But that was my passion at the time. And that's what I pursued. That's what I pursued actually up until I went back to school for nutrition. So I pursued that for about five or six years. Um, And so when I moved out here, you know, I was living alone. I was basically dealing with PTSD. I was trying desperately to lose weight, um, and yeah, that just continued. The cycle continued where I would try every d- different diet. You know, I would skip breakfast and just say, "Okay, I'm, I'm just gonna have skinny vanilla lattes and um, you know oatmeal, and I'm just gonna make it as long as I can go." And then, of course, what I know now is that all that restriction caused me to binge. So then I would binge in secret, and then all the guilt and the shame would come in and then I would want to fix that because it was so uncomfortable. And so often I would make myself sick and then basically just the cycle spun round and round and round like that for multiple years. And I was definitely in the biggest body I had ever been in. So like I said before, I definitely didn't think that I had an eating disorder or that I deserved help. Looking back, I wish I had gone like to treatment or had spoken to someone. There was no coaches, like no one really was available at the time to help me. Um, And I, you know, and I didn't ask for help. I suffered in silence. And I just felt so horrible about myself. I felt like the problem was 100% me. It was because I didn't have willpower. You know, I was very envious of all my other friends who seemed to maintain thinner bodies, but be able to eat whatever they wanted. And I was torturing myself every day trying to eat less and stick to a certain amount of calories. I was counting and tracking every single thing that I ate. I filled out all these little notebooks every day. um, And I was just in a lot of pain. And at the same time, I still continued to have all these kind of random health issues. And yeah, life was just 
I was struggling. So fast forward to when I was 25, I had an acting manager who asked me to lose weight. And unfortunately, that motivated me to do so, so much so that I hired a trainer who put me on basically like a very restrictive bodybuilding type diet. And I was working out at least two hours a day, training with her, running on the treadmill. And I lost a wild amount of weight in a really short period of time. And so just like it happened in in college, I kind of thought, okay, I fixed all my problems again. I just had to lose weight. Now everything's great. And I'm, I'm happy and I feel good about myself and I'm confident. And that, of course, didn't last because I was so restricted and I was under eating so much that, of course, my body couldn't withstand that forever. So I ended up gaining some of that weight back. And then this is also the time where I was dating my now husband, Scott, who was my next like pretty serious boyfriend. So um, so basically things kind of were off. Looking back now, I'm able to see that the universe was like, no, you haven't figured it out yet. You still have more work to do. Early 2014, I woke up one day with really bad lower back pain. And I just thought, okay, like I was doing a lot of hot yoga at the time because I was also working part-time at the store Lululemon. And I'd gotten really into yoga and I was going to core power, which is uh, heated yoga. And I was doing far more accelerated classes than I really should have been. And I just thought I overdid it. I thought maybe I had a slight injury. No big deal. I'm just going to rest for a little bit and I'll be fine. And I I never got better. Um, Things continued to get worse. Then I actually got in a really bad car accident, um, almost back to back with that pain. And basically, I then spent the next like six or seven months just seeing every pain specialist out here doing injections, doing treatments, getting these like laser therapies, seeing PTs, chiropractors, acupuncturists, nothing was helping. I just continued to get worse. And I got an MRI and it showed that I just had a slight bulging disc. And every um, practitioner that I saw was just like, "Mm, you should be fine. Like this isn't even that bad. And I was like, I'm in debilitating pain. I mean, I had to quit my job. I couldn't, I couldn't walk. I couldn't like bend. I couldn't stand. I couldn't lay down. Like everything hurt. I was in horrible pain. I mean, I was, to be totally honest, like near suicidal. It was that bad. And, you know, like I said, I had to leave the job I was working at. Acting was really going nowhere. I had nothing. And of course, too, I couldn't exercise. And so I started gaining weight and I started feeling more out of control around food again. And I started binging and purging again. And basically things were just a total mess. So, and I also was getting misdiagnosed like all the time. So I never even had a really clear cut answer as to why I was in such bad, bad pain. So one night, literally, um, this is the last night that I ever made myself sick, literally told Scott, um, who I'd been dating for about two years at this point, two and a half years at this point, everything, um, about my past with food. He didn't really know the extent as to which I was suffering And I basically just made a vow to myself that I wanted to change. I wanted life to be different. I didn't really know how at the time. I just knew that there was something deep down inside of me that was like, don't give up, (laughs) you know, keep going. I didn't even know where or what that meant, but there was something inside of me. And very shortly after that, I ended up finding my nutrition program, which is the Institute of Transformational Nutrition. And when I found that program, I felt like I was truly like saved. Because looking over the curriculum, looking over the the foundation of the program, it's all about, of course, the science of nutrition and teaching you that, but also the psychology of eating and the spirituality of nutrition. 
And I was like, oh my God, not only am I excited to learn about all this, but maybe this can help me heal my relationship with food. And I also was very interested in holistic health at that point because I felt like conventional medicine had failed me because of what I had been through with my back. And so I thought, well, maybe it does have to do with something, does have to do with what I'm eating. Or, you know, I started working with like healers and holistic practitioners. I just started getting really interested in that side of, of things, of health. And so I just threw myself into this program. I enrolled immediately and I just started working through it. And very shortly into working through the program, there was a live event that I attended with other students. And when I met other people going through the program, it was the first time that I felt not alone in what I was going through. So everyone else who was working through the program was someone who had done, who had struggled with disordered eating or an eating disorder or had an autoimmune disease or chronic pain, like you name it, every different type of health, mind, body condition, like I was around those people. And for the first time in my entire life, I was like, okay, I'm not the only one going through this. And, you know, people were at all different levels of their, of their journey, of their healing journey, of their transformation. And so it gave me so much hope. And one of the first things that um, I learned in my program is that things don't happen to us. They happen for us. And you've probably heard me share that before. I I mean, I didn't, I didn't coin this term. Um, My, the founder of my program used to speak about it a lot, but it's literally like, I think about it every single day. And it's the only reason I feel like I was able to keep going because of the first time in my life, I was like, okay, what I've been going through, everything that I've struggled with from the anxiety to the disordered eating, to the chronic pain that happened for me. My body is not against me. My life is not ending. My life actually could be so much bigger and brighter because now I have something to share. It gave me this story, right? It gave me the ability to connect with others. It gave me this vulnerability, this compassion, which are the things I'm most proud of to to have, to, you know, be parts of my personality. And I just kind of took that and run, ran with it. I didn't even really know what my, I had no idea my business would turn into what it is today. I was mostly just there to learn and to grow and work on myself. And then it obviously evolved into a business helping others. And um, I would love to say that that's where my journey ended because that's a nice way to tie it all up. Um, but very shortly, actually, after I uh, started my nutrition program about nine, 10 months into dealing with the chronic pain, I woke up one morning with a distended stomach. So basically like extreme bloating, but more than that, like, it wasn't like I was like crampy or, or gassy or, you know, just had like some stomach issues. It was like a chronic distension. And at the time I just thought, okay, well maybe I did just eat something that isn't digesting well and I'll be fine in a few days. And so this was back in 2014. So actually like this time, five years ago, it was right around the holidays, five years ago. And then I started working with all these doctors. So I first saw a naturopath that said, oh, you have candida, go on a candida cleanse, go on a candida protocol. And I didn't get better. Then I started working with a functional medicine doctor who was like, oh, you have adrenal fatigue, you have thyroid issues, you have, I had 27 food sensitivities. Okay, let's do this protocol for all the hormonal imbalances. And then let's take out your food sensitivities. And I didn't get better. And then I tried, you know, I did a SIBO protocol. I did low FODMAP. I did AIP. I did everything. And what's so challenging about it is I was healing from disordered eating. And as you guys can tell from my story, restriction was the biggest thing that was perpetuating me to continue in this unhealthy cycle. So even though I was restricting foods out of health, you know, it was still restriction. And so it was bringing up 
the tendency to want to binge and, um, you know, just really was, was difficult for me. Like I wanted so badly to get away from having any limitations or restrictions, but I also had this crazy health issue. Like I did not understand why my stomach was, you know, continuously distended. Like it never went down. And that, so it continued like that for a couple years. And I still, even despite all that, worked through my body image. I worked through my relationship with food and I got to such a better place, which I'm really proud about, despite all the stuff that I was still dealing with. But I still wasn't better. And so finally, my mom had a friend who was working with a doctor down in San Diego. And she just suggested, you know, why don't you just try going and talking to them? And I was resistant because he's a regular MD and I had been working with holistic practitioners. You know, I sort of was almost like weary of seeing someone conventional because I thought that they just like wouldn't really take it seriously. But his specialty was in kind of like rare diseases and autoimmunity. And so I decided just to give it a shot. And I met with him one time and he did a thermography scan. So he basically did like a body scan. He was able to see that I had the few indications to him um, that I had something going on where I had like hot spots all over my upper back and my chest, and I had a burst blood vessel on my left breast. And he just instinctually or intuitively thought, you have Bartonella disease. And I didn't even know what that was, but that's a co-infection of Lyme disease. And it's, it's called cat scratch disease because people who get scratched by their cats who've been bit by fleas can get this disease. And when he said that, I finally connected the dots. Back in 2012, um, I had bought like a tiny little potted Christmas tree from Whole Foods that had actually infested my apartment with fleas. So disgusting, and I hate talking about it. <laughs> but um, I got bit all over my body, and I had no idea that it was it was anything worse than just what it was. It was also very traumatic. It was horrible. It was a horrible time. But I just kind of like tried to forget about it from that point on and move forward. I never thought that I could have contracted a chronic illness from it, Um, but kind of put the pieces together. And again, this is prior to him even testing me. So we tested and I came back positive for Bartonella, Lyme disease, and also Babesia, which is also a co-infection of Lyme. And I was floored because I had no idea that what I was experiencing was Lyme because I didn't have any of the classic neurological imbalances. Um, you know, I definitely had low energy and I had, you know, health imbalances, but I didn't, I wasn't able to not get out of bed in the morning. And, you know, just what you hear about Lyme disease, you sort of think it is this like bedridden illness. And obviously what I've learned now is that, and also so many people are popping up being diagnosed, it can have over 300 different symptoms. And specifically, Bartonella can affect the gut. So it slows down your motility. It affects your neurons in your gut. Um, and you can have this, this dissension. So it literally almost feels like your organs are just like hanging out of your stomach. And this is why, despite all the healing diets and all the healing protocols, I still didn't heal because of that the food and, and eradicating these infections that I came back positive for, that wasn't the root of the issue. The root of the issue was... Lyme disease. So it was a, you know, mixed emotions because I was really grateful to finally have someone who could tell me what was going on, but it was also really overwhelming because it's scary. And, you know, I had just, um, well, I guess actually I got engaged a few months after that, you know, you start thinking like, I want to be able to have kids one day. And you're, you know, you're not supposed to have kids if you are active for Lyme and, you know, 
just have I been walking around sick for six years? Like, oh, this might be why I have a hard time sometimes coming up with words or why I feel, you know, depressed sometimes or why I feel like I have no energy and why I'm struggling so much with these gut issues. So it was a total whirlwind and I'm, I am getting better. Um, right now I'm not coming back active for Lyme and Babesia. I've been on different rounds of different types of supplements. I did also have to do one round of antibiotics and I also did this other strange supplement that I actually had to get from Singapore, which is like a whole other story. Um, for Babesia, it's actually a cousin of malaria. So I was on this like anti-diarrhea, traveler's diarrhea drug, it's the whole thing. So yeah, it's been a journey. Um, I still deal with the gut issues, but I've gotten to a place where I can manage them a little bit better. My back pain has gotten a lot better, but it's still something that I deal with all the time. Um, but the beautiful thing is that I have definitely healed my relationship with food despite it all, despite all the restrictions, all the health issues, not being able to exercise, being bloated. I mean, I truly feel like if I can do it, anyone can do it because of the you know, extent as to the other things that I've had to, to work through. Um, but what I can take from it is that it all happened for me. I've met amazing like friends because of our similar health issues. I know that I have this really, really, really special compassion and empathy for others, which has made me just like an exceptional coach because I can really, you know, tell others I know exactly how you feel. Um, and I know that that's really powerful. And so, yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like I've come out on the other side, even though I'm still going through things. And yeah, it's just like been a crazy, crazy journey. Oh my goodness, Chelsea, thank you so much for sharing your story. Like so many facets to your story, but every bit is so powerful. And I love that you brought it all back at the end of at least your story up until now. But the beautiful thing is that you have healed your relationship with food. And even though you are still healing, like you said, you feel like you are on the other side. And I think that's so beautiful. And I think oh my gosh, I could end the podcast right there just with your story and just with, you know, you saying that, you know, it's it's okay. Sometimes we go through these things and they're really, really hard. But ultimately, you know, it's about our mindset around it, right? It's about, you know, I feel like I've come out on the other side and, you know, I, I might still be healing and all of us are healing from something, right? We're all still continuing to grow in some area or another, whether it's our journey with food or struggling with a chronic illness. But I think one of the things that I know that, you know, you've given me and I think that you put out so beautifully to the world is this mindset around everything. And I know that it's not, it's certainly not all rainbows and unicorns and daisies and whatever. <laughs> and then I'm sure there are, I know that there are still really, really hard days, but I love that your mindset is of healing and that I have healed this part of my relationship with food and that I'm moving towards healing completely. I love that. Oh, thank you so much. So I want to kind of circle back a little bit to when you were sharing a little bit about this, like this idea that you had in your head for so long, for so many years. And I love that you shared these different stages in your life. And I could relate so much to this idea that we, that we as women, a lot of times, whether, you know, 
we're college women who are, you know, in that stage where we're like looking for the perfect guy or like leading into getting the perfect job or, um, you know, or maybe we're in um, a later stage of our life where, you know, we're trying to, you know, compare ourselves to other women or other moms or whatever. We have this idea in our head that if we change our bodies or if we lose weight, then we'll have everything because I think we see like on social media and you know we just we see in our world this is society that tells us that this is the answer to living a better life is just by looking better or changing our bodies changing our weight so I'm curious what did it look like for you to even through all of these struggles really let go of this idea of losing weight in order to be happy, losing weight or changing your body in order to, you know, live your ideal life. What did this look like for you? And how did you come to this place of food freedom you're at today? Yeah, I think it's so important to break it down. And you're right. Everyone does think that losing weight equals happiness. And you're right. We see that on social media all the time. But I hear stories from women all the time. I would say every client that comes to me has had this quote unquote perfect body. They've done the diet, they've done the the workouts, they've gotten, they've reached their goal weight, but they still weren't happy. And it's important for us to acknowledge that we are just seeing people's highlight reels, you know, and we're not really seeing the struggle behind this positive goal, this exciting transformation. And I like to try to bring some light to that because usually when people are getting to this place where they can achieve the perfect body, they're sacrificing physical health. They're sacrificing mental health. Not all the time. Sometimes it can happen and it can be fine. Not all the time. Not everyone that has a perfect body is struggling. But I would say nine times out of 10, usually that person is restricting or they're miserable. They're obsessed you know, their relationship is suffering, they have no energy, their digestion is horrible, you know, there's could be a whole laundry list of things that are out of balance. And so you sort of have to ask yourself, well, if that's what I'm experiencing, if I'm stressed and overwhelmed and anxious and obsessed, I can't go out to eat, I can't go on trips, I can't go on date nights, I'm, you know, weighing myself multiple times a day, is that happiness just because I physically look like I have the perfect body? Do I actually have the perfect life? So it's really important for us to get real with ourselves and dig a little bit deeper into this idea of happiness that we have, you know, and I think we understand like money doesn't make you happy. Success doesn't make you happy. Yes, those things can definitely bring things into your life that can contribute to joy and happiness and you maybe have more opportunities, but look at celebrities. I mean, how many celebrities have had these, these meltdowns or, you know, tragic deaths have happened because even if, you know, they have this huge mansion and all this money, maybe they don't have the connection in their life that makes them happy. Maybe maybe they don't have a good relationship with food. Maybe they don't have a good relationship with themselves. So it's really important to get just very, very real and sort of pull back the curtain to just sort of this, um, you know, blanket statement that weight loss equals happiness. And for me, the way that I sort of worked through this is that I mean, I definitely feel like my health crisis, my chronic pain was a wake up call. Um, You know, my, like the way that I felt became so much more a priority than the way that my body looked because I was in such a dire state. Like I said, there were times where I like, I couldn't walk, I couldn't stand. I was in debilitating pain that I just wanted to feel good. And so I feel like that really happened for me. You know, like I keep saying it, 
it allowed me to refocus on food, not being just for like, oh, what can I eat less or, or, you know, how less, how little can I eat? How many little, how little calories can I eat? It was more like, what sort of things can I add in that are going to make me feel good? How can I make sure I'm eating enough so that I can heal? You know, before I went through sort of this journey and I went back to school for nutrition, I just thought like health, what nutrition was just about like eating less and working out more. I mean, that's the only information that was available to me at the time. So when I started learning about food, I was really excited to learn about the science of nutrition, learn about blood sugar, learn about hormones, learn about inflammation. And it just got me excited and it allowed me to make the transition out of calorie counting and deprivation into real food and being excited about like cooking and and yeah, using like real whole foods because before I was eating everything low fat, fat free. I mean, I was eating lean cuisines. I was eating, um, you know, sugar free jello and everything was splendid. I mean, I was literally eating like all chemicals. And so finally learning more about food, having that knowledge got me really empowered. And I actually felt like I was much more in control instead of just a diet telling me what to eat or what not to eat. And so that really helped me sort of separate weight loss from health and help me become like more in a pursuit of optimal health. And, um, you know, just learning more about other people's stories as well. Like I said, being around others that had struggled like I did, that helped me as well. Just learn again that I wasn't alone. Um, and some of the steps that I took in breaking free were not restricting. So like I said, I stopped calorie counting. I stopped tracking. Um, I basically just stopped depriving myself. I stopped making it my goal to always eat less. You know, I stopped skipping meals. So literally as simple as actually eating breakfast, actually eating lunch, actually eating dinner, eating snacks, honoring my hunger. And when you step away from severe restriction and severe deprivation, even for a short period of time, even if you've been doing that for just a short period of time, you're going to have almost what may feel like an um, like an insatiable feeling of hunger all the time. And so you need to honor that, you know, in order to get through that. And it's going to be uncomfortable, but I allowed myself to have those moments of just like eating a lot. And the next thing that I did, which is really what I help my clients do in breaking the cycle, is those times where you do binge or you do quote unquote overindulge or overeat it's about forgiveness because if you don't forgive yourself and you label that as wrong or I was bad, you're then going to punish yourself and you're going to go right into the exact things that started that cycle in the first place, more restriction, more deprivation, more dieting. So it's about forgiveness. It's about acknowledging like where you've come from. Okay. I've had this cycle of disordered eating. I've been punishing my body for years. I've been under eating. I've been over exercising, or I'm going through a really severe state of stress, trauma. I'm recovering. I'm healing from an injury. Like give yourself the actual clarification as to why you're struggling. And that will help you provide yourself with some compassion. And, you know, so basically I just, I never tried to fix any quote unquote bad behavior. I just let it happen. And it was very uncomfortable. There were times where I was eating jars of nut butter in one sitting and not just once a week. I was doing that multiple times a week and I just let it happen. And that was crazy uncomfortable and scary and debilitating, but I just let it happen. And eventually those things stopped, but I had to go through the motions. I had to allow my body to change and not freak out about it. And it allowed me to now get to a better place, but it took a long time. So I also think being really realistic about how long it can take to sort of unwind, not only these, not only these beliefs about ourselves, like that weight loss equals happiness, but that um, you know, you can heal super quickly, you know, so it's like allowing yourself to just take the time and space that you need to really work through this. 
Oh, I love all that. I'm I'm so glad that you shared some of the more uncomfortable parts of this journey. Because I think a lot of times we hear these really wonderful, beautiful stories and everyone's story matters and everyone's story is, is, dif- um, is different and important. But we don't often hear some of the hard things that we have to go through in order to get to the other side. The really yeah. uncomfortable sometimes just needing to live it and needing to experience the overeating, you know, so to speak, right? Just in mm-hmm. order to allow ourselves to feel the feeling of not restricting and just eating and and move through that. And that, you know, there is, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. There is another side to it, but we have to go through it. And then we have to forgive ourselves through it. I think that's so powerful. So thank you so much for sharing that because I think it is such an incredible, um, incredibly important part of our journey to learn that self-compassion and learn that forgiveness. And I think that... When women are trying to go it alone, a lot of times this can be this can be really hard when they don't have a community around them or they don't have a coach to help them along their journey that reminds yes. them that it's okay if they go through some of these experience, if, experiences, if they eat the jar of nut butter and just let it happen, that it's okay. You can you can give yourself that compassion and and move on. And what I like to um, what I like to encourage women with um, a lot is that like every one of these experiences, if you allow it to, will help you move forward. If you don't allow yes. it to, if you if you let it keep you in the same place, then you'll stay in the same place. But if you allow that experience to move you forward, then it will. You'll take them as information and help it and help you move forward. So thank you for for sharing that um, some of those uncomfortable uncomfortable parts that are so important. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I always tell people the marker of progress on this journey towards healing your relationship with food, with your body, is not that those bad moments won't happen. You know, the the overindulging, even sometimes binging again, or emotional eating, or stress eating, or even like negative self-talk about your body. It's not about that stuff never happening. Of course, we want to see that happening less and less and less, but it's unrealistic to think that it will never happen, especially if you've been struggling with this the women that I work with, it's not only years, sometimes it's decades, right? Mm -hmm. So the marker of progress is that you can work, you can move through how you move through that. Just like you said, what can you learn from this? What was your body needing at that time, you know, that maybe caused you to reach for the food or, um, you know, why did you have that negative self-talk? Is it because you just got in a fight with your partner or you're having a really bad day at work or, you know, so what, what can you learn from it? And then also like, how can you show yourself that compassion to move through it and break the cycle and maybe redirect those thoughts? Um, and you know, wire something else in that's going to be more productive and more positive. So it's always those moments that I think are progress, not just it not happening. Cause it's, it's so unrealistic. And also to like a lot of the messages we see, on social media about people who are sort of have gone through a similar journey to me they may you may just think that it has been easy for them and you know we kind of think oh just eat intuitively just eat when you're hungry stop when you're full well when you've been dieting and and just had a disordered relationship with food in your body for a really long time you can't just do that you know it's not just a snap of the fingers and all of a sudden it's easy to moderate or not hard to you know beat yourself up or punish yourself so again like you said support is so crucial and to really truly acknowledge it's often going to feel like one step forward two steps back and that's okay you're still moving forward yeah oh I love that so much and it's so much of it is rooted in this mindset it's really truly 
not about the food. It's about that mindset and 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 moving and like you said, moving forward or like we both said, I guess, <laughs> moving forward um yeah. with every yes. step. So, I'm curious then how did this mindset that you're so I know you're going through all of this sort of at the at the same time, which I think is one of the reasons that makes your story so so interesting and so powerful too, um, both for you and and for those you're helping, is that you're going through these chronic illnesses while you're working on healing your relationship with food. So how did your mindset play a role with wrapping your mind around not just your journey with food that you're working through and your, your body, um, but also struggling with these chronic illnesses? Oh my God. Well, mindset for me, I truly believe not only changed my life, but saved my life. If I did not have a strong mindset, I don't know where I would be because totally transparent, transparently, that's not a word to get to be transparent. Um, there have been many times in my journey specifically with my struggle with my back pain, where, like I said, I wanted to give up. If I did not lean on my mindset, because I feel like when you feel like your body is failing you and you feel like you've lost control. You don't know what the heck is going on. Everything you're doing isn't working. All the foods, all the supplements, nothing's working. It's so hard not to want to give up, you know, and, and you can't trust your, you feel like you can't trust your body. You can't trust your habits, your, your lifestyle there. You, you know, you're just, you're lost. And so if you don't have that mindset to lean on, I mean, there's nowhere else you can really go. And so I truly believe that my mindset, it changed my life. You know, health issues are really, really hard, hard to deal with. And like I've mentioned a few times, I think relying on that, that mantra that things aren't happening to me, they're happening for me has given me a lot of hope. Also just even saying like, this too shall pass. And those really, really, you know, hard moments, right? I also try to look at like what my body is trying to tell me and working with my body instead of against it. So even though it may feel like your body is failing you, your body is never trying to fail you. Your body is always trying to function, trying to survive, trying to keep going, and you have to work with it. I truly believe a lot of the times, I specifically see this a lot in the autoimmune community. Um, I think women who are really hard on themselves, who are perfectionists, who are go, 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 I often feel like we get sick sometimes as a sign from our body to slow down. And connecting the dots with my journey, it makes total sense. Like I said, I had sort of gone on this like weight loss journey again, and I sort of thought I'd cracked the code again. And my body was like, uh-uh-uh, we're going to have something happen that you can't necessarily turn your head away from. And we're going to force you to actually sit with this discomfort and work through this. And where it took me was a whole new career, working on myself, meeting so many people that inspired me and supported me. I mean, it all happened for, for so much of the greater good. So it's really important to remember like your body is on your side and to work with your body instead of against it and not hate it and not punish it. Love it. Even when, you know, you're having crazy bloating, like I do sometimes where I look seven or eight months pregnant, or you're in a lot of pain, or you're having other crazy symptoms with skin or energy or mood or whatever. You have to try to practice loving yourself through it you know, and it goes back to compassion and that's your mindset. You know, it's being a participant in the journey, even though it's, it's, it's really hard. You know, it's never that this happened. It's deeper than like this happened for a reason. It's deeper than it's deeper than that. It's more like, what can you take from this? And for some people, it may just be like, wow, this taught me that I could get through anything. This taught me that I'm really strong. 
this brought me to, you know, a newfound passion in life. Like there's so many different things that it it probably sparked for you. And you just have to take a step back and put so much focus and energy on that because you have to try to crowd out some of just like the struggle and the challenging moments because there are going to be a lot. So yeah, mindset, I mean, is just everything. Oh my gosh. So, so good. And I a hundred percent agree that oftentimes, you know, we end up with an illness or, you know, a health crash or something like that. I know in my own story, I had a huge health crash after like the most restrictive part of my, like I had an eating disorder in high school, but even more restrictive was when I competed in a bodybuilding competition. I've never done something so crazy. And it was like Uh right after that, that I had like decided that I was never going to do a bodybuilding competition again. And it was just after that, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I had like a complete adrenal crash. I basically had like chronic fatigue. I could like I couldn't I could barely get out of bed. I had a two year old at the time. I was like falling asleep sitting up. I was like lifting like hundreds of pounds, or I was like squatting hundreds of pounds of weight at the gym. And then I woke up one morning and couldn't even lift like a ten pound weight, which is kind of what like, what I had in my house. Mm. And I had this huge health crash and then I started like gaining all this weight rapidly and I was I was told that if I just followed this like post-competition plan that this would never happen to me but it did and I obviously started like freaking out I didn't know what to do but what it did was it it sent me to some new practitioners that I had never seen before. It helped me heal some long-standing digestive issues. It um, helped me learn that I had PCOS, which is a hormonal condition, and helped me heal through that. And that is what led me to intuitive eating. And so what seemed like such a really like difficult journey for, for I mean, and nothing compared to your journey at all. <laughs> but looking back, that was the first thing that popped into my head was this like whole, you like huge health crash that looking at it, like at the time, I was like, this is terrible. Like I've worked so hard to like get to this place yeah. and now like everything is falling apart. And now I look back and I go, what a gift that was to lead me to this place of better health and then eventually food freedom. And now doing what, you know, what I'm doing, helping other people and doing what you're doing, helping other people. I think as long as we allow ourselves to, like you said, stay in that really positive, I mean, as much as possible, you know, mindset or coming back to that mindset, even if we fall away yeah. from it, coming back right. to that and learning from from every experience. I think you're such a fabulous example of that. So I love that. Uh, you too. And uh, yeah, I, that is an amazing story as well. So something that you talked about that I think is really is really great and really related to this um, this kind of the struggle with um, food, especially when we're talking about you know trying to eat to heal in addition to having freedom with food, which is so hard when you're like going through these chronic illnesses and really trying to eat in a way that supports your body, um, but also trying to find freedom with food. And something you talked about on an Instagram recently was focusing on imperfection instead of perfection in our eating journeys specifically, but really, I guess, in our our healing journey in general. Um, But what does this this even mean to focus on on imperfection with our eating? Can you kind of of share a little bit more about that? Yes, and I think it goes into all aspects of anyone's life as well. Everyone I work with is a perfectionist. Every single client (laughs) that comes to me is a perfectionist. Um, So I think of imperfection as literally like not being perfect and allowing yourself to mess up and it being okay. 
And those imperfections, not being bad, not being wrong, but actually being beneficial, just like we were talking about before, what could you learn from that? How could that actually be something that is a gift? Because maybe it teaches you something about yourself, about how you feel, about your body, about your mindset, right? There's so many positives that you can take from quote unquote, like messing up. Um, and I like to talk a lot about the gray zone. So a lot of people, especially with their relationship with food, they're looking to fit into things being black and white on or off good or bad. And so it's really about existing in the gray zone. And for a lot of people, that's really, really uncomfortable because unless we have something that's like definitive, a box, a label that we can fit into, we don't really know how we feel. Like we don't know how to exist in there. So it's important to get comfortable being uncomfortable and allowing yourself to mess up, allowing yourself to learn, allowing yourself to have those ups and downs and celebrating them. And again, if you can learn from them, then you are probably going to have an easier time celebrating them. Um, So, you know, I think it's just, again, going back to the concept of forgiveness, forgiving yourself instead of punishing yourself. You know, if you think that you have to be perfect and you quote unquote mess up, you may want to punish yourself. So being imperfect would be like, okay, I'm going to actually give myself, you know, compassion here. I'm going to forgive myself. It still doesn't feel good, but I'm going to allow myself to move forward and work through that. So I kind of think that that's that's just the world of imperfection is just allowing life to happen, acknowledging that life will always be ups and downs, and also that perfection doesn't exist. And there's also this kind of saying that I just recently heard, maybe it was on another podcast, that perfectionism is self-sabotage. And so... We're, begin- we're, we're continually setting ourselves up to fail by trying to be perfect. So what if we just pulled the reins back a little bit and allowed ourselves to mess up and be imperfect? You know, we'd probably actually get where we want to be a lot sooner and in a much more effortless way. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I love that perfection is self-sabotage. It's so true because (laughs) perfection is not attainable. So by striving Mm -hmm. for something that we inherently know is unattainable, we're sabotaging ourselves and we're automatically putting ourselves in this position of never being able to reach this place. And that's so, so powerful. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Something else you said that I just wanted to, I, I didn't want to skip over. I wanted to touch on, um, because I found it, I found this really powerful too, um, was that you talked about that up, you talked on over on Instagram too, just like I said it, I hope everyone, if they're not already following you, they'll go follow you because just like daily Aww. wisdom over there. I love it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, you talked about um, that up until a few years ago, you weren't sure if you said, I'm not sure if I even had a relationship with myself. I was so preoccupied trying to change my body, control my food, and lose weight that I didn't even know who I really was underneath all that. I was giving myself the message every single day that who I currently was wasn't good enough. That was really unfair. And I think this relates so well to this conversation on perfection and not needing to be perfect and allowing ourselves to be imperfect in our eating, in our healing journey, in our lives. How do we begin to accept that we are enough, even if we feel like our body might be failing us or this journey is harder than we expected it to be? Yes, this is a hard one. And I think that we distract ourselves from getting to the root of the issue, the things that are actually causing us to feel maybe unbalanced or out of whack. We're distracting ourselves by only focusing on losing weight or being perfect with our diet or perfect in other aspects of our life. So it is important, again, to like 
pull the veil back from that and get a little bit more real with yourself about, you know, what actually, like we were talking about before, like what actually is your best quality of life? What actually makes you happy? When do you actually feel good about yourself? You're not giving yourself the opportunity to feel those things. So I like to get people started by making a list. And this is how I start actually my client work. I, the very first session we put together what I call the powerhouse why, which is like the ultimate inspiration and motivation for getting yourself where you want to be. And it's helping you get really clear about these like almost like superficial or artificial goals that you may have had previously, which were probably just losing weight or changing your body into like, what do you actually really want? What will actually really make you happy? What will actually really make you feel really good in your life and love a life that, you know, a life that you can wake up to and be happy to live every single day. So people can start by just like making a list um, of all the things that you are that have nothing to do with what you weigh or look like. And again, I say like people distract themselves from this because it's probably uncomfortable. We don't like to talk about ourselves. We don't like to celebrate ourselves. Um, If you have a hard time coming up with anything, what I found is a really good place for people to start is, are you a mom? Are you a sister? Are you a daughter? Are you a wife? Are you a friend? Every single woman listening is going to fall into one of those categories, right? And just, just start there. Have you ever considered that just being a good sister is enough (laughs) or a a good wife or a good friend or a good mom that that's enough that can give you worth? Are you just thinking that only having the perfect body or losing weight is enough? So starting there and just that can almost help you build off of, you can uh, build off of there. So, you know, then you can start asking your questions like, um, what makes you laugh? What can you do? And time just flies by. When do you feel the most connected in your life, the most inspired in your life? And again, too, if you're still having a hard time coming up with things, I always like to ask people, what would you say to your best friend or, or what would your best friend say about you? But, you know, we hear all the time, like, talk to yourself like you would a best friend, but actually like put your best friend's name in there. So my best friend's name is Ashley. So I would actually think like if she came to me and, you know, back when I was struggling and she, the things that I was struggling with back then, and, I, and she came to me and she said, this is what I'm going through what would I want to say to her? And then actually turn around and say that back to yourself. So start just actually speaking to yourself like a best friend and also ask your best friend, ask the people that are close to you in your life. What qualities do you love about me? What's your favorite part about me? Like what, what do you love doing with me? You know, just basically like it's just opening up the door to starting to have these kinds of beliefs about yourself that you've probably just not given yourself the opportunity to have. Um, you know, and just literally wiring the belief that you are always enough, you know, and it definitely doesn't depend on the size of your body. Totally. Oh my gosh. And talk about uncomfortable and being comfortable with being uncomfortable, asking somebody who's close to you to share, because you know that the people who are close to you, they're close to you for a reason because they love you and because they know these incredible qualities about you. But I don't think we often take that time to recognize them in ourselves. We do. We get, just like you said in your post, so preoccupied with these things that we think make us enough. And we don't actually think about the things that really, truly do. That was really powerful. I love that. And I do something very similar with my clients when we start and we talk about their why. And like, well, so why are you Mm -hmm. doing this? No, but really, let's really dig in. 
why yes are we making yeah these and it's never about just weight it's never about just food I'm sure that you see that all the time it's like we'll start talking about that and then like 10 sessions later they're like we didn't even talk about food and I'm like I know because it's not what it's about mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes oh my gosh and I think if the listener gets gets anything out of this it's that it's it's so much of it is not about the food so let's dig a little bit deeper Let's dig into, yeah. you know, what, why do we have this mindset and how, how can we start shifting our mindset yeah. around whatever, whatever situation we're in. And that's why it's uncomfortable. And that's why the diet industry is so, is still so successful because people would always rather just do the diet or try to lose weight or do the program or take the pill or do the procedure. They don't want to do the deeper work. And so it is hard, but I also always start off with people by like congratulating them and telling them like you're doing the hard work that most people will never do, you know, and getting yourself in that mentality like, okay, it may be hard, it may be uncomfortable, but how is life going to look like? What is life going to look like in six months, in a year, in five years, in 10 years? Like if you work through it now, you're never going to have to work through it again. So it's worth it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, it is so worth it. I know both you and I know how, how worth it doing the work is. And it is so easy to just hop on another plan. And that's why we stay stuck in this cycle that I know both you and I were on for so long that that's, it's easy to restrict. It's easy yes. to fall back on those old habits. It's hard to do the hard work, but it's worth it in the long run, run when we realize that that is where true healing comes from. It comes from digging deep and getting to the root of it, which I think is exactly what you do. Yeah. So one other question that I have for you as we kind of, we kind of start nearing, nearing the end of things that I think will be really, really powerful for the listener to hear. And I'm curious your response to this with all that you have gone through with your you know, you're eating and chronic pain and chronic illness and bloating and just these daily struggles. Do you believe that it's possible to love yourself even when you're in the midst of pain or illness? Yes, absolutely. Is it easy to? No. Is it possible? Yes. And I honestly feel like you have to. You have no other choice but to choose to love yourself even in the midst of pain and illness because your body is begging you to. Like we said, your body is looking to get your attention. Your body wants it, wants you to listen to it. Maybe it wants you to change. It wants you to nourish it. It wants you to take care of it. Your body is unwell because it wants you to listen and it wants you to love it. So like I said, you have to work with it instead of against it. And that's choosing love. And again, like I talk about this all the time. I write about this a lot. I don't think self-love is looking in the mirror every day and thinking that you're amazing and have a perfect body and see all these physical features that you love about yourself or even that you think your life is perfect or beautiful all the time. It's choosing not to go down the path of beating yourself up or punishing yourself or hating yourself. I truly believe choosing to love yourself is choosing not to hate yourself. And again, existing in kind of that like up and down gray zone. It's never going to be a especially when you have like pain or health, um, health issues that are causing maybe really debilitating symptoms or, or something that you can't not see. Maybe it's a skin condition. Maybe it is bloating. Like maybe your hair is falling out. It's like, you can't turn off the fact that you notice those things, but it's just choosing not to go down the path of making it worse by hating yourself through it because your body just doesn't want that. 
Yeah, hate is never going to produce love. <laughs> and yeah. I, I think that that's something, you know, it's a reality check for for a lot of women that, you know, spend so many years um, really upset with their bodies or really upset with their situation and, and hating themselves for it and hoping to find love out of that. So thank you for that. Thank you for that hope that it is possible to love yourself even in, when you're in the midst of it and that you actually have to. <laughs> and that's such an important part of healing. Yeah. Do you have any last advice for the listener who is wanting to find food and body freedom, even if she is struggling? Yes. Yeah. I definitely think getting support is really important, not just for the, you know, the tools, the, the shifts, the lifestyle shifts, the nutrition shifts, you know, not just the logistical stuff, but just to feel like you have someone in your corner who understands what you're going through. Nine times out of 10, that's what people are looking for the most anyways, is that person to say, you are not alone. I know how you feel. It's going to be okay. And you have me to lean on. I just feel like that in itself is so powerful. So I think searching for a practitioner that you you know, feel connected to is really important. And honestly, like it's the best thing that you can do for yourself. And I know a lot of people are really scared to invest in themselves. They're scared to take this leap, but it's always going to be an incredible thing and you will never regret it. Like I truly promise you that. Um, but yeah, just for some other like logistical things, I think starting small, it doesn't have to be a huge whole overhaul. And I think when we try to change too quickly anyways, that's when we can end up sabotaging ourselves because it's scary or it's too uncomfortable. So allowing yourself to just literally start small. So a really good place to start is looking at the different types of restrictions that you're putting on yourself. I speak about restriction all the time. Um, I have a bunch of posts on my Instagram about it, but I talk a lot about the three different types of restriction. So I talk about physical restriction, mental restriction, and emotional restriction. Most women usually have a combination of all three, but you may be stronger in one or the other. Um, so look at the types of ways that you're restricting yourself and how can you begin to be less restrictive in those areas? You know, so if it's food, it's like, how can you start maybe practicing more permission to eat certain foods or eating a little bit more or if you're skipping breakfast can you try having breakfast if you're not allowing yourself to eat past a certain macro count or certain calories like could you one day just try not tracking you know just really going slow and trying and working through it and again support is really important um I think forgiveness, again, is like the ultimate superpower in a food freedom journey, forgiving yourself all the time. You're, you need to practice forgiveness over punishment. It will change your life and it will break this cycle. And also just, again, being kind to yourself, being compassionate to yourself, building yourself up, celebrating yourself. I always like my clients to do a list of small victories throughout the time we're working together. So if it's little moments, little victories, whether that is one day where they didn't weigh themselves or they didn't track or you know, they, they went out to dinner and normally they'd be obsessed about what to order, but instead they ordered what they really wanted, you know, even smaller things than that, right? Just you're drinking more water, you're going for a walk, like little, little things, keep a list of all of that. So the days where you feel like you're not progressing, you always have something to look back to, to remind yourself you are moving forward and you are changing and you are growing and evolving. Um, yeah. And I think just to focusing on being, being happy. I know it sounds crazy, but eating foods that make you happy, doing things that make you happy. Um, just starting there. What makes you laugh? What do you like to do? Like what 
fills you up? What makes, you know, do you like being creative? Do you like being active? Like, what is it? And just start doing more of that and taking some of the attention away from food and away from your body, you know, getting out of your body a little bit and just trying to bring things back into your life that are going to give you some sort of joy or fulfillment or purpose or passion that have nothing to do with this whole, you know, distraction of just eating less, moving more and working out and being hard on yourself, you know, try to just focus more on everything else to crowd out some of that that's no longer serving you. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love talking to women too about um, how much space and how much energy and that they that they have once they give up these constant pursuits of food and over exercising like there's so much opportunity to learn about ourselves and to learn the things we actually like and bring joy in so in in so many different things pick up hobbies and and things that you uh-huh. never would have so i love that you brought that up that's awesome so so great yes that's the number one thing i hear is you have more space you have more mental space you, yeah totally 100% So I have three final little kind of rapid fire questions. Um, We've been talking a whole lot about food, but I love to share food in a way that is joyful, just like you were talking about, because I am a foodie at heart. And I would love if you would answer these final three questions for me. Okay. So number one, what is your favorite thing to cook? Well, something I make a lot that I really love is a walnut pesto. <laughs> so pesto. super simple. So one bunch cilantro, one, one bunch parsley, olive oil, lemon juice, walnuts, and uh, garlic. And I usually do that over maybe like a black bean pasta or cauliflower gnocchi or zoodles. It's one of our go-to meals like every week. And I just love it. It makes me feel so good um, having all those herbs. And I just love the color and I just love it. It always turns out so good, and I love whipping that up. I love using walnuts. That's such a good idea. I've done a lot of almond pestos um, rather than pine nuts, which are just, like, crazy expensive. And almond pesto is good, but walnut sounds incredible. I love that. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Give it a try. So what, then, is your favorite thing to order if you're going out to a restaurant or have someone cook for you? Mmm. Mmm. I mean, probably just like a classic home-cooked meal. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is what my mom used to make for us for Christmas, which is like roast beef Yorkshire pudding, which um, I haven't had in years and years and years. I don't know. It's like flour and like roast beef jus or something like that. Mashed potatoes, um, maybe like roasted Brussels sprouts, broccoli, green beans, just like a really like classic like American dinner. Um, sounds really good to me right now with the holidays coming up. <laughs> and yeah, just thinking about maybe like my mom making me dinner would be would be so great. <laughs> oh, I love that. And I can't even say I remember what Yorkshire pudding is. Like I, I'm yeah. not actually sure, but everything else sounds it's like a absolutely doughy, delicious. <laughs> it's like a doughy bread. That is you it would like, bake like in sort of like a long pan? Yeah, um, okay. and it fluffs up. So there's some bubbles, and then there's like some softer bits. I mean, I haven't had it in many, many years, but I don't it know. Sounds if you super comfort because I'm gluten free. Like yeah. I don't know if you could make a gluten free one, but maybe. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but it sounds very comfort foody. I love that. I love comfort yes. food. <laughs> 
So the last question, we talk a lot on this podcast about finding what I like to call your beautiful balance, going beyond obsessing over food and finding nourishment and pleasure in food and in life. So what does your beautiful balance mean to you? Hmm. I mean, I think a lot of the stuff that we talked about today, balance to me is just allowing those, those, you know, ups and downs, those mess ups, those learning opportunities, allowing yourself to mess up, to work through it, to learn, um, you know, not trying to be perfect. I think balance to everyone, balance to people is, is different to everyone. Um, so again, it goes back to like, what makes you happy? What do you like to eat? What do you like to do? How do you like to talk to yourself? Like literally just what feels good for you, not forcing yourself, not punishing yourself, not beating up on yourself, and also not trying to have every day be a 10 out of 10 or perfect. Or, you know, I talk a lot about feeling happy or feeling content, but sometimes you don't feel good. Sometimes days suck. Sometimes you do feel more down and also allowing that to be okay. And just again, remembering this too shall pass and just literally letting your life be the the quality of life that you want. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, that's kind of balance is literally whatever, however you'd like to design your life when it comes to food, when it comes to lifestyle, when it comes to mindset, you can live. That's how you, you know, that's how you can have it be. Oh, that's so good. So could you then share where my listeners can find you, even though I've you know shouted out your Instagram about 10 times? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, of course. My Instagram is Nutrition with Chelsea. My website is also Nutrition with Chelsea. I also have a free handbook called the Heal Your Relationship with Food Handbook, which would be really helpful for anyone who's on this food and body freedom journey. I talk a lot about the types of restriction. I talk about my story and some other really helpful tools, action steps, and mindset shifts that you can make to start healing your relationship with food. And you can get that on my website at Nutrition with Chelsea slash break free, but it also pop up if you're just on my homepage or any page of my website. And then, yeah, I also work one-on-one -on -one with clients. You can find all that on my website as well. Um, and then my podcast is Nutrition-ish Podcast. It's so good. So, so worth a listen. So hopefully they'll go and, and listen to that after this. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on, Chelsea. This was amazing. So much wisdom. Oh my gosh, so much about mindset. And I, I think that this is going to be so beneficial to so many women, whether they're on a food freedom journey, on a journey to healing chronic illness. I appreciate you and all of the work that you do in the world. Oh, thank you so much. I had an amazing time talking with you too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.